0: This is Unsocial Spectators with Clay Harrison and Mark Ramsey. And uh,
1: you can find us at unsocialspectators.com and also at unspectators on Twitter. Uh, welcome to episode 37 of Unsocial Spectators. Hey now. Hey now. <laughs> So how's it going oh it's going good
0: yeah just had lunch
1: <laughs> yeah i i had a pepperoni jalapeno on really oh, the pretzel roll the pretzel roll
0: sounds so fucking good
1: yeah it was it was like this big and i cut it in half and i i make my own pizza sauce so mm. every every day i have pizza for lunch i put it on uh, breaking up real bad Oh, uh, yeah, well, not here. Um, I put it on uh, um, uh, toast and uh, all kinds of stuff, so.
0: All right. You broke up a little bit in there, so I was kind of losing you. It was going in and out.
1: Yeah, it says the connection's unstable, but I'm I'm hard uh, wired in, so I don't know what's going on.
0: Yeah, same here. What the fuck? Hmm.
1: Yeah, there was a low of that last week, too, so... Okay, well, I
0: thought I had everything shut off that I could, but... Anyhow, uh,
1: we'll be a little
0: slow today.
1: Yeah, uh, it's recording everything fine on this side, so, so okay. that's good. Uh, so, uh, this week, we're going to talk about our uh, films from 1992, So So, what did you watch?
0: I watched uh, Singles by Cameron Crowe. It was one I didn't own. And then uh, I went ahead and had Shelby pick me up a copy at Half Price Books. Great soundtrack. I mean, it's a Cameron Crowe film, so it's always going to have a great soundtrack. Uh But then I've kind of determined that, like, for a point, like Cameron Crowe was kind of telling the Gen X story for a while. You know, he did Fast Times and. And the wildlife and this. And then he would just go on to do like weird shit like Vanilla Sky and stuff next. So he got away from telling simple rom-com stories to telling weird-ass uh, Tom Cruise movies. Yeah, I
1: really like Vanilla Sky. It's a cool flick, you know?
0: Yeah, but Singles is just like a romantic comedy of, of uh, pre- grunge uh era bands like they were sitting on this film for a while before Mm -hmm. they released it and like nirvana hadn't even like dropped their big album at the time so like you had this band pearl jam that was in the movie but like hadn't broken big and so it was just sitting there until grunge hit and and that's when the studio decided to drop the album because they even were going to change the name of the movie from singles to uh come as you are, you know, from uh, Nirvana. Oh, okay. Uh, Yeah, it just, uh, you know, it's Campbell Scott, Kira Sedgwick, and then I noticed, like, how many of these people were, like, related to famous people. Like, I didn't realize uh, Campbell Scott's granddad was, uh, oh, shit, what's his name? Why why did I draw a blank? Uh, George C. Scott.
1: Oh, oh, okay.
0: And Kira Sedgwick's related to uh, Edie Sedgwick like the it girl from the 60s yeah
1: uh, yeah she comes from a very uh, rich family yeah are you there yeah
0: you were just you were frozen again sorry yeah
1: yeah you were frozen too so
0: damn it well and then of course the biggest uh uh bridget fonda you know related to jane fonda henry fonda the whole peter fonda the whole fonda clan sure you know it, it was just kind of a uh weird thing to see oh they're just all in this because they're like heavily connected and uh uh rich <laughs> you know they know people
1: uh, yeah instead of symbol singles you could have called it nepotism
0: <laughs> yeah exactly I I was like kind of curious because Cameron Crowe had done so well. Like, did he have like famous parents and he didn't like, his dad was like a real estate agent and shit. And, uh, but he like was super smart and skipped grades. Like, uh, when he was 22, that's when he went back to high school to, uh, to do his book on fast times at Ridgemont high. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, it's very interesting seeing how much of his influence impacted our movies at the time, because so many movies came with soundtracks that wanted to be like fast times, that wanted to be like singles. Like He was able to kind of capture that in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Like The 80s was really his first take on people like leaving high school and being on their own the way singles is, but not quite in their 20s the way some characters portrayed. Because they're more like just out of high school or still dealing with high school people. Yeah. Uh, but Eric Stoltz is in both of them. Like I, could, that was weird to catch uh, Eric Stoltz being a very talkative mime in this movie.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, so for '92, uh, I uh, saw Reservoir Dogs.
0: Greatness.
1: Uh, my favorite tar- Tarantino Greatness. film. Uh, I saw it in the theater at the Inwood when it came out. Uh, Totally blown away by that film.
0: Yeah, I saw it years later after seeing Pulp Fiction first. Uh,
1: uh, Yeah, just a great film. Uh, Harvey Keitel. Um, I mean... uh, Peak Tim Roth. Best Tim Roth I could think of. Uh, Tim Roth before She Hulk. <laughs> um, uh, then uh, you Did have. Did you
0: know that Tim Roth was cut out of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood?
1: Oh, no, I didn't.
0: Yeah, like if you sit through the credits, it, 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 he's in the credits, but then when I looked up, it said all his material was cut out. And I was like, how uh. the fuck do you cut out Tim Roth? Like, how could that be bad?
1: Well, 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 it happens, you know, um, uh, Michael Madsen was amazing yes. and, uh, you know, he, he, his character was, uh, uh Vincent Vega's
0: brother yeah for a long time they were wanting to do a movie of those two together uh
1: no originally pulp fiction was supposed to have madsen in it
0: oh and uh, yeah.
1: then they at the last minute they got travolta to play to play it so so that's kind of interesting uh but uh yeah i mean uh chris penn is great uh uh, and yes. steve buscemi is amazing in that film it's just uh incredible uh he's one of my favorite character actors i
0: think yeah he's you know, fucking fantastic i was just watching 30 rock when he appears on it as the private eye and he's just so good
1: yeah did you watch boardwalk empire No, I watched the first episode and just didn't get into it. Oh, it was good, man. The whole thing, I watched the whole thing. Just a fantastic show, you know. So, definitely worth checking out. Bushimi is great in that.
0: My favorite Bushimi is Ghost World and Con Air. (laughs) I just love uh, his craziness in Con Air and his... uh, I don't know whether to call it like a nerd quality or what his character is in ghost world, but just a very particular type of person. Yeah.
1: Nerd quality is good for that. uh, I would say. So what else have you been watching?
0: I watched free Jack. Oh, on on the shout factory app, which I came to realize after about three or four movies that I was not seeing the whole movie. Huh? Did you freeze again? No. Did I? Oh, okay. It seemed like you froze for a second, and then the audio kind of broke up. Yeah,
1: so the video will freeze, but the audio keeps going, usually. Shit.
0: Yeah, your video's frozen.
1: Uh, the video will freeze, but the... uh...
0: There you are. Okay, you're, okay we're back. I'm going to turn my video off because maybe that's what's causing the lag. Uh,
1: that's fine. Okay. Uh, do you want me to turn mine off? Oh, it doesn't matter.
0: Either way. Here, uh,
1: I'll turn it off. Okay, that's fine.
0: Yeah, technical difficulties. But, uh, yeah, I, got, uh, I installed the Shout Factory app like you suggested, so I've just been watching a bunch of random stuff on there. But I put on Freejack and then all of a sudden it like went into another movie like an hour in and (gasps) I didn't catch it. Like I was like, wait a minute. What was the ending to Freejack? (laughs) (laughs) Because it's so bad. I mean, it's just a it's a movie about people taking people's bodies from the past the moment before they die so that they can use their bodies in the future because everyone in the future that's like. They they already have like radiation sickness and lung problems like they're affected by the environment but there are mega rich people who are trying to beat death and so they steal race car driver Emilio Estevez's body <laughs> to go into the future but he gets away before they're able to take a, him over so he's a freejack and every and that freejacks are evil and they're bad because everybody wants them. Uh, so there are people looking for him. It's it, I can't believe I paid to watch this in a theater and then wasted more time watching it at home because it's so bad. And I'm watching Rene Russo, who's like maybe a foot taller than Emilio Estevez in this movie, and it makes him <laughs> look au- it makes him look awkward as the hero. Uh, but then you also have Jagger, who's the villain in it, who's pretty awesome. I mean, it's it's weird uh renee russo is like the love interest in this but then anthony hopkins is like the 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 big bad and i'm like but they're they're also in thor together as a couple (laughs) i thought I, i was like tying everyone together through other works that they had that was the one that stood out the most but wow free jack was just like how i was surprised that they could get it made but I guess if you had Anthony Hopkins, Emilio Estevez and Mick Jagger, that that was a, anything you could throw any script at it. and They'd make that movie. Sure. Sure. Yeah.
1: I remember seeing it. It wasn't that good, but it was, no. you know, it was, a,
0: it was definitely a movie. It's weird to watch this and go, you know, we're about seven years away from the matrix and oh, the special yeah. effects in this are so fucking bad and terrible. You're just like, like when they erase him, like like when they pull him out of time, they don't just make him disappear. They have like this, these really bad 32-bit blocks that kind of erase <laughs> the the moment. And it's like it just looks so poorly done. Like we're almost to the Matrix, people. Just hold on for a little bit longer.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I watched uh, uh, Andor. What you think of Andor?
0: I fucking loved Andor and I thought the smartest thing about it was dropping three episodes because the three episodes helped a lot.
1: Yeah. It really, uh, I'm excited about the series because it's not real gimmicky,
0: you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can kind of believe this guy's story and plus it's, uh, written by the guy who, uh, basically finished up rogue one and, and, uh, fleshed out everything at the end. Troy Gilroy is uh, the screenwriter uh, who did Rogue One, but as some people may not know, like that script was, had a lot of problems and he came in there and cleaned it up and they, we got the movie that we got. So it's neat for him to take one of those characters and go back and tell his origin story of how he got radicalized.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm really excited about seeing what happens with that show. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm I'm glad there's no baby Yodas, and I'm <laughs> glad there's no princess baby Princess Leahs, You know,
0: this is the fucking adult Star Wars. This is yeah. this is like about real issues and what the Empire does to people. And mm. the coolest thing is the look. Like I like I've said that this looks like Star Wars. Uh, had a baby with heavy metal, Tron, and Blade Runner.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Really, really cool. Uh, so I started watching the four season of Atlanta. Um, oh yeah. I'm really glad to get back to that. You know, uh, all it all the seasons have been great. Uh, just a great show. So, um, and. Uh, I saw American Psycho
0: oh yeah with, the, with Batman wow <laughs> it, you, had you ever seen it before? Uh, no uh, and uh, it
1: was funny because it's set in 87 and uh, it is total 80's movie you know? oh yeah
0: well the soundtrack helps oh yeah it, his his deep dive into, like, yuppie culture. It's amazing. Oh, it's so fucking good. And I Christian mean, Bale's so fucking good in it. Like, just... they. It's weird that voiceover works that well in that movie. But him getting ready and talking about his regiment. Yeah. Fuck, uh, that's an iconic scene.
1: Yeah, just a fucking great film. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> I saw a movie uh, that I have always wanted to see.
0: House, House. Oh, the haunted house movie with mm-hmm. William Cat.
1: Yeah, not the not the Japanese version from '77, no. which is a, a fucking batshit. But uh,
0: <laughs> this one is uh, pretty batshit, you know. Yeah, it's very batshit. And what's weird is, like, I remember House and then House 2 being, like, very different films. mm -hmm. And uh, more people remember the first one because it just had so much cool shit in it.
1: Yeah, you have Norm from from Cheers and uh, just a really cool film. I I enjoyed that. And and, uh, I'm watching the... Uh third season of Reservation
0: Dogs have you seen that? No, I I have that on my uh to watch list.
1: Matt, such a good show, so fun. Uh I really enjoy uh how they uh portray uh life in the, uh current life in the Indian reservation, you know. Yeah. Really cool. Um uh it, it's real and then they have uh, these uh, fantasy parts that make it really interesting, you know? So just a, just a cool show. Okay. Uh, so what else have you been watching?
0: Oh, uh, back to shout factory. Uh, they had uh, road games on there with Stacy Keach uh, playing a, a truck driver. This was back during all the truck driving movies of the late 70s, early 80s. And it's just, he's, okay, so I had watched Freejack and Road Games back to back. And that's when I realized Shout Factory, like after about an hour, will just go to another movie. It won't finish the movie. So you have to go back, fast forward to where the movie was and then watch the end again or watch the end from that point. And, and road games is where I found out, like I'm not finishing the movies. Like for some reason, this app is jumping forward and going to the next movie instead of finishing. it. Oh,
1: uh, <laughs> so uh, I haven't had that problem. What app are you using? Uh,
0: I'm using the Roku app. Uh, yeah, the, uh, just on my Roku. I think it's my
1: 2.0. Huh? I'm using the, uh, uh, Android app and I'm, uh, chrome casting it to my tv so and it works hmm. fine.
0: Okay, well, I'm going to I've tried a couple of different things, but uh I told Shelby we should just watch a movie and see how far it goes before it jumps to the next thing and see if it's just that. Huh. But uh but Rogue Games was fun. It was weird because it's another movie with uh Jamie Lee Curtis who plays a hitchhiker that just shows up in the movie for a while, but she's kind of a more important character than she is in The Fog. Uh, because it, she may or may not be involved with the killer when he's driving along. He's talking to himself a lot, so he comes off as very crazy. But it was it, it's kind of a classic movie I remember watching as a kid and wanted to revisit it and had totally forgotten so much of this. So I love Shout Factory, though, man. They have great stuff. Yeah,
1: really cool stuff. I watched uh, Crimes of Passion on that the other day. Oh, yeah. Uh, so uh, I watched Jurassic Park Dominion. Oh boy, and uh, I almost fell
0: asleep. <laughs> Sounds like uh, 300 million dollars well spent.
1: Uh, I mean, they've made a billion dollars, uh, but uh, how do you sleep at night? <laughs>
0: um yeah i just don't like shelby brought it up before that like jurassic park is really the first movie and that's it because once you see the coolness of dinosaurs being brought into the world then everything else after that is just a horror movie because you have to go through and kill them or they're going to kill you and that's it and that's the fun part is just the first movie
1: I mean, this term, uh, it was uh, all the action tropes, uh, everything was cliched. Uh, yeah. Your bad guy was uh, the Apple CEO, you uh, know, yeah. is okay. total bullshit, you know. I mean, I could have wrote it, it was that bad. See, I, I want to
0: watch it just to see, like, Jeff Goldblum.
1: And... Uh, eh, I mean, he was a, not enough Jeff Goldblum, you know. That's true for everything. Uh, yeah, oh, totally. <laughs> I agree with that. Oh, did you hear that they're making a Spindle Tap 2? Why? Uh, I don't know. I follow my uh, uh, McKeon. And uh, he had mentioned that they're uh, they're already started uh, riding it, so I don't know,
0: man. That
1: does it need a sequel? Uh, we'll see. I mean, do we need Clarks 3?
0: I guess we'll see because <laughs> I'll watch it, yeah, yeah, I'll watch it too. You know, I mean, it was such a, I mean thing of its time uh and so on the mark that like i feel like you sometimes sequels water down the original and just don't make it as good anymore like like the hangover films oh yes you know they just they got worse along the way like but then this is rob reiner so you got to believe in rob reiner who's given us some of the the greatest films oh yeah stand by me and uh uh the original so
1: I mean, uh, uh, he did uh, so many good shit. And he was a meathead. And he was meathead. Uh, I saw uh, uh, Hanky Panky. Hanky Panky. Gilda Radner and... Oh. <laughs> and her husband. Yeah. Uh, pretty fun film I hadn't seen in years. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They were, when they got married, they started doing like uh, their own kind of movies that weren't like, you know, generally popular and stuff, but they just kept making them. And I always remember them as being fun.
1: Yeah, that was a good time. And uh, uh, I I had uh, recently seen Superman 1 and Superman 3. uh, But. I watched Superman 2, <laughs> Superman 4. Oh no. And Superman Returns.
0: So, which one was the worst?
1: Um, well, that's I mean, 2 is great. Yeah. 2 is great. 4 is bad.
0: Yeah, Quest for Peace is really, really bad. Like, I remember that coming out and going, you know, I would watch all the other Superman movies, but I don't think I'll ever watch that again. But
1: Returns, boring, the timeline doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. I mean, shouldn't
0: uh, Lex Luthor be dead by then? Uh, Yeah, but you got to keep Lex around. You know, he, he's a scientist. Maybe he's figured out a way to keep himself alive a little bit longer. But I'm not even a fan of, of uh, Kevin Spacey's portrayal of Lex Luthor. And,
1: and the, the weird thing about Four was uh, you have Ducky as Luthor's uh, nephew.
0: Yeah, but that, <laughs> but that paid off years later because they casted... Uh, they cast him as Lex Luthor on the Supergirl series, and he kind of became the Lex Luthor of the Arrowverse. So when they would have crossovers, they would always have to bring in the most uh, evil villain, and it was always Lex. So, John Cryer, I mean, kudos for (laughs) riding that Lexor uh, uh, coattails for a while. It's just
1: fucking crazy.
0: (laughs) The guy from Two and a Half Men is an evil villain.
1: Uh, so I, I watched, uh, uh I think we're alone now because you
0: recommended it. Yes, let's talk about it.
1: Uh so you are the dystopian king.
0: Yes. I love those genre of films. I love isolation and being alone and end of the world type shit. And this this was like a really great depiction of it, I feel like, for Gen Xers. Because I because Peter Dinklage is a guy who has survived to the apocalypse. It appears to be some sort of virus that just was airborne and just killed people like at, at the instant they caught it. And so, uh, but he never got sick. And so he lives in a town that he goes through and pulls all the people out of their houses and then buries them. And he goes to the library and he seems to keep, like track of things in the library and that's kind of his post-apocalyptic life i think he just has taken something and created a job to try to remember what was and uh and then somebody shows up yeah so i uh i felt like his comfortableness with the with the library and the things that he seemed to be attached to and, and fighting were very Gen X related, you know? Yeah. uh, It
1: was, it was kind of an interesting film.
0: Yeah. And, uh, Paul, Paul Giamatti shows up.
1: Yeah. And he, uh, uh, spoilers. He gets wasted by Eli Fanning.
0: Yeah. So, uh, that's where I see like a Gen Y connection because like, you've got these millennials that are like younger, but they're still having to deal with this boomer shit. And the way I tie the boomers to the survivors is when you see them, they're trying to live the way people lived in the fifties. Yeah. There's like the apocalypse is going on and they've rebuilt a section of the world only to like mow and water their yards. Which is real fucking futile and stupid. <laughs> and so uh, they're what they've what they've done since the apocalypse is because everyone was kind of like what Peter Dinklage was doing, sitting in their own sadness and just kind of like like he just was kind of he kind of dealt with being alone because uh, like Paul Giamatti even tries to focus on you know him being a small person and it's just like, well, you know, you know what it's like. And you, you know, like he's hinting at like things that, uh, his character may have had to overcome as being a small person. And, uh, but yeah, Elle Fanning shows up. She, she doesn't explain that there's a town, because then that would like freak him out a little bit. Yeah.
1: She seems like he, she's embarrassed of it.
0: Yeah. But that fucking scene when they show up is great. Like Paul Giamatti shows up with another woman and they're claiming to be the parents of Elle Fanning. And that's the deal is there have been survivors who have gathered to the city. They have, I guess, forcibly been put together as quote families mm-hmm. to, to exist in this new world. But so many people are sad that the scientists have gotten together and figured out how they can wipe their minds of the sadness so fucking weird man yeah because you see these scars on the back of their head that's like stapled clothes and at times it looks like they're almost like when they're hooked up to the machines like they're pulling a liquid out like it looks fucking painful and horrible but Paul Giamatti is just so happy about it because he's like yeah once we wipe the sadness away we can like live happy in this nonsense of a future you know (laughs) It's It's just just
1: weird, man. It's
0: just fucked up. And so Peter Dinklage at the end, when he like goes and rescues her, I, I got the vibe that it was like, you know, fuck you and your future. I'll live in my sadness, (laughs) you know? Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: I love that movie. I was just like, why did I not see this when it first came out?
1: Uh, Yeah. 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 It was fun. I had a lot of fun with it
0: for the end of the world
1: yeah yeah not too bad uh, so I watched The Black Phone
0: oh is that the uh, Ethan Hawke movie yeah really good I started it but uh, I have not finished it I forget what well, was hung up on my uh, Roku but yeah there. it looked fucking fantastic so no spoilers please
1: Uh, yeah, it's like a Stranger Things horror film without the fantasy. Oh, fuck. But it's really, really good, so I definitely recommend it.
0: All right, I'm going to try to finish it this week then.
1: And, uh, this morning, I watched Risky Business.
0: (laughs) Classic Tom Cruise. Uh...
1: I don't think you can make this movie today.
0: Oh, no. No, I don't think so at all. A high school student hiring prostitutes for a giant house party, and he gets to have sex with one of them on a train?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, if you uh, show this movie to kids now who are... uh, Uh, think uh, Tom Cruise is one way and you watch him get stoned with hookers on a lake dock (laughs) while his dad's porch goes in the water. You would, uh, you would just have to say what the fuck.
0: (laughs) Exactly. What the fuck? (laughs) Uh, But
1: yeah, uh, so that's what, what I have been watching.
0: Yeah, I only have one other film I watched this week uh, and it was on Tubi uh, in search of the last action hero. And it just it's a documentary following like uh, action stars like Bruce Willis, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, Sylvester Stallone and the rise of the 80s action hero uh, and what it kind of morphed into from just the original like Rocky Rambo diehard commando type films. Uh, into the into the uh, action stars of today, like huh. people who people who were inspired. Like Scott Atkins is like a huge action star, but most of his movies are pretty much just action based. They're not very plot driven very well. And uh, he was inspired by uh, Jean Claude Van Damme. Like he's like fucking loves his movies, and I love to see a fan talk about something that's inspired them to do it. So. It, it just goes through all the genre changes, like Nick Cage becoming an action star in the early 2000s and the kind of films he was doing. It was just basically we got rid of the muscle man and just decided it could be an everyman. And that's why I like a lot of the t- 2000 action films are actually kind of shitty. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're just not the best. And uh, uh, I loved it. it. So if you if you kind of love that era of, uh, or just love action films, it talks about the history and how we got to where we are today. And, uh, I think it was just on Tubi for free.
1: Oh, that's cool. Now, uh, w- next week we're going to see, uh, films from 1993. And speaking of action stars, I'm going to see Cliffhanger.
0: Oh, fuck. Okay. Uh, good. I am going to take True Romance because I thought you were going to take it.
1: Uh, no, no. Uh, perfect. We've got Arnold and Sly.
0: <laughs> uh I, I think I may take a couple because Dazed and Confused is another Gen X film. Uh I kinda wanna see Groundhog Day for the Harold Ramus. Um fuck. Yeah, okay. I'm I'm definitely down for true romance because that is one of my favorites.
1: Okay. And it it, ha, it is part of my, uh, famous letterbox list. of uh, people with eye, uh, characters with eye patches.
0: Oh yeah. That's right. I forgot you put that list together.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. We'll, we'll see you guys next week on the show. See ya. Uh, Bye. Bye.